Welcome to your Monday edition of The Upside with Callie and Jeff. It is just Callie today because Jeff, last night, he's totally okay. I will say that first. Um, But he did have one of his SVT heart episodes. So yesterday I had to take him to the hospital and um, they had to paddle quote unquote paddle. They're not paddles anymore. They're like stickers, but they had to restart his heart, um, which is very typical for the condition that he has. And look, he's had this condition for a couple of years. Usually he can like jolt his heart um, back to the right rhythm it needs to be in. But unfortunately yesterday he couldn't. So we had to go to the emergency room and, um, they had to had to intervene to reset and get his heart beat to a normal rhythm. So, as doctors do, they kept him overnight last night, um, just you know, as a precaution, and are watching him and running tests and all of that good stuff. So he was not able to record with me um, as I sat down to do this. However, we have a really special episode today because I recorded a couple weeks back. Uh, before Olivia was born, an episode with Whitney Goodman from the Calling Home podcast, which is on the 1022 network. Um, It's something that we've produced and um, developed with her. I was a huge fan of hers before she was a client of ours. Her Instagram handle is sitwithwit, and she is a licensed therapist who specializes in family dynamics, and she has a great Instagram account, a wonderful podcast. It is very, very helpful, and And I tell people this all the time, but I don't know one person that doesn't have some sort of issue with family dynamics and man, does she go through and cover all of them. So make sure to check her out. She mentioned to me, um, that she, she's a mom and she mentioned to me that she is, um, had postpartum depression and struggled with that. And since she's also a therapist, I thought it would be interesting to talk to her about, postpartum anxiety, depression, and one, how we can recognize it in ourselves, and two, how we can help other women who are postpartum recognize it and kind of, I hate this corporate term, but set ourselves up for success so we know when to ask for help. Because I can tell you that time after time after time, I have friends who look back on their postpartum experience and say, wow, I didn't realize how bad things were for me. Um, Or I kept it inside because I felt like I was crazy and it wasn't normal. And I was really embarrassed of the thoughts that I was having after I had a baby. So you know that I love to talk about stuff that I feel like it's not talked about enough. And Whitney is not only a mom, she's someone who has struggled with postpartum mental health herself. And and she's a therapist. So I recorded this episode with her and I'm really grateful that she sat down with me to do this. Uh, I did get choked up at one point um, because the advice that she gave and the reminder that she gave to postpartum moms really resonated with me. So that is the episode that we're going to play for you today instead of a normal episode of um, The Upside with Callie and Jeff. Before we dive into that, because I really don't want to stop our conversation to do commercials, I want to do commercials now. We have two of them. Um, And then we'll get on to our episode with Whitney Goodman from the Calling Home podcast. Um, But I want to thank our sponsors really quick right now. 
Little Spoon is a one-stop shop for healthy, easy mealtime and snack time for your baby, toddler, and big kid, and it's delivered right to your door. Now, if you have kids, you know that you got to plan for what they're going to eat, right? Otherwise, things kind of go off the rails in your household if it's anything like ours. And having to figure out what Jeff and I want to eat is hard enough, but then having to provide something kind of healthy for our kids... It's a whole thing. So we had Ellie on Little Spoon when she was a baby with their baby blend. So that's fresh organic baby food. Then they have early finger food meals. And then for Ellie's age, they have toddler plates, which have hidden veggies in them. So kids think, you know, Ellie thinks she's eating mac and cheese. Well, she's eating hidden veggie mac and cheese. Um, And so all of their meals are really healthy. And Ellie also really loves their smoothies. And then more recently, they've introduced lunchers and snacks. So you can throw the stuff in your kid's lunchbox and not have to think about it. And it all comes right to your door. So seriously, could not be easier. And you can pick out what you want to get in your shipment. It is so flexible, so easy, and everything stores right in the fridge and freezer. The price is right. The quality is unmatched. I love it. My kids love it. Simplify your kiddos' mealtime with 30% off your first order. Go to littlespoon.com upside30 and enter our code upside30 at checkout to get 30% off your first little spoon order again that is littlespoon.com slash upside 30 and enter our code upside 30 at checkout to get 30 percent off your first little spoon order oh man do we love hatch in this household we use hatch for ellie we use hatch for us we also use hatch now for little olivia so we are a full-on hatch family and if you're someone that has a really bad sleep habits or you just find it hard to sleep because of whatever reason in your life maybe you just haven't been a good sleeper ever okay it's 2024 now is the time to tackle healthy sleep and you can do that by using the hatch restore we love ours it is gorgeous it sits in our bedroom you can't even tell that it's like you know it doesn't look anything like our old ugly noise maker and it teaches your body when it's time to sleep or wake up with nighttime and morning routines so you can prioritize rest. With Hatch Plus, you can get exclusive content like Pillow Talk, which is a new audio series designed to entertain you to sleep. Pillow Talk helps you wind down with the best types of TV shows that you love from true crime to sports, but without the screens that really hinder you getting healthy rest. And in the morning, Hatch wakes you gently with a sunrise alarm. You can set it so the light comes on first and then your alarm sound comes on 15 to 30 minutes later, and it makes a world of difference in starting your day. Right now, Hatch is offering Upside listeners $20 off your purchase of the Hatch Restore and free shipping at hatch.co slash upside. Visit hatch.co slash upside to get $20 off and free shipping. Hatch.co slash upside. A couple years ago, I, you know, I was pregnant with my my first kid and I had her and I went to a postpartum appointment, like mm-hmm. that six-week, you know, appointment. Yep. And my doctor who, you know, when you're on an OB kind of rotation and you're meeting all the doctors, you don't really get to know your doctors all that well. Mm -hmm. Like she delivered my baby, but still felt like a stranger to me. And she looked me in the eye and said, are you depressed? (laughs) And I was like, uh, and I just kind of froze for a minute because I feel like that's a really loaded question. Mm -hmm. And it kind of took me aback a little bit Um, as someone that is a mental health professional, what do you think of that? I mean, you're also a mom, you're a woman, you have, you know, an OB. What is your personal feeling 
and professional feeling about that question. Mm -hmm. It's not a great way to assess for depression, right? (laughs) I think a lot of people don't, they don't want to answer yes to that question, or they're maybe not even sure what that means. It's also feels like they're kind of like checking a box or trying to push you out of there is, is what it makes Mm -hmm. me think of that. I think it's better to ask about symptoms or to like try to assess how someone's feeling, what their daily life is like, than to just ask like a yes or no question. Like, are you depressed? Because you're kind of thinking, should I be depressed? Am I depressed? Like, what does it look like if I'm depressed? You know, especially if you're not like well-versed in what depression is for you specifically. Right. And I I consider myself a lucky one um, because I'm, you know, I have you know, anxiety and depression issues. And I have a wonderful psychiatrist and therapist. And one thing they said to me when I got pregnant is, you know, this is, this might be like your high risk for this. So afterwards things might look different for you or feel different for you. So we're going to keep an eye on you. But I don't think that most people have that, or maybe they don't even have a history of it. Yeah. So they don't know what it looks like. That is like, really my story to a T is that I don't have an extensive history of depression. Definitely not. Anxiety, some, but mostly related to like stressful moments in my life that I can really Mm -hmm. attach that to. It's not something that I experience outside of that. And so when I started dealing with postpartum depression um, after I had my son, it was like a shock to me. And especially because Mm -hmm. I am a mental health professional. I was like, why is this happening to me? Um, I almost like denied it or tried to push it down that I think if someone doesn't set you up like that, like you're, that's great that your doctor said that because then you're on the lookout for it and you Mm -hmm. know that it could happen, which I feel like now the second time around, I'm much more able to do that. And, And my husband and the people around me can like look out for it too. Were you the one that identified in yourself that you were struggling postpartum mentally or was someone in your life able to identify that for you? So it was – my onset was weird because I think I didn't feel it for the first like six weeks. It kind of came later. And I was told like, you know, oh, the baby blues or that kind of stuff will show up like within the first two weeks, right, is like what you would read online. So when it started happening to me, I was really like, gosh, I'm just having a really tough time with motherhood. Um, I'm not good at this. Uh, Why do other people have it easier than me? And so because that was how a lot of my thoughts manifested, I don't think the people around me or myself really realized that that's what it was at the time. It just sounded a lot like self-doubt, anxiety. And then it started to like really intensify where my mom and my husband were like, this does not sound like you. Like I was really not acting like myself. And that's when we started to realize like, okay, there's, there's something up here, but it took me a while to get there. Like it took me like three or four months. What were the, so you said the first start of kind of symptoms for you or the first was feeling like I'm a bad mom or I'm not like living up to what I should be. Mm -hmm. How did that progress from that like first thought for you? From there, those thoughts really intensified and I was very sensitive to like everyone around me. So if anybody would correct anything I was doing, like in the most benign way, like, oh, 
why don't you try to hold the bottle like this or something like that? I would be like, mm-hmm. oh my gosh, I'm terrible. I can't do this. But I also wouldn't accept help from anyone at the same time. Right. And I couldn't, I couldn't sleep like when other people were watching the baby. Um, I couldn't take naps. I couldn't rest at night. Like it started to manifest physically as well, where mm-hmm. I just noticed like I could never relax and I wasn't feeling like that bonding with my baby that a lot of people talked about and that made me like beat myself up even more. Yeah. I have so many friends who have felt that way where they don't. And these are friends, by the way, that have wanted like kids forever. Yeah. They want to be a mom. It's like part of their DNA. They feel like that's just the thing. And I remember one of my first girlfriends that had a baby was like, you know, you probably four weeks into it. She's like, I got to tell you, I don't like my baby. Like I don't, I don't feel that ki- mm-hmm. like everybody's like, oh, it's the greatest thing ever. And you immediately connect and you'll never know this kind of love. Yeah. And she was like, I don't have that yet. And it took her, it, I think it took her probably six or six to eight months yeah. to start feeling that way. I, I can so relate to that. And, you know, now being um, pregnant with my second, I've had so much grief about not remembering like that early postpartum period and not being able to like feel that way and and you can you kind of have this anxiety of like am I going to be better with my second and then my first mm-hmm. didn't get that for me and like it's it's such like mentally it's so bizarre to like work through it, it is bizarre what are the difference so you said about baby blues how do you know the difference between, oh, I'm a little down or maybe I feel sad or emotional at night, um, baby blues versus, okay, this might actually be something more. How do you tell the difference? A lot of it has to do with the length of time and like the severity, right? So most women will go through some sort of change just by way of like their hormones adjusting after birth, right? Like you're going to get a big drop You might start to feel depressed or upset, but it typically goes away with time and improves and it doesn't start to disrupt like your activities of daily living. So you can still take care of yourself, take care of the baby, and you're not noticing that those thoughts are intensifying and becoming more disruptive. Most people will say that lasts a couple of weeks, right? Okay. With postpartum depression, postpartum anxiety, postpartum psychosis, these are things that are not going to get better with time. And actually, the longer they go untreated or unaddressed, they will typically intensify. Okay. I had um, – so for me, I had all of these my first time around. I had thoughts. I remember like the doctor asking me like, are you depressed? And I was like, well, that's a loaded question. And I remember my daughter was three weeks old maybe. And I remember holding her and we lived in the third story of a townhouse. And I remember having the thought, um, I could throw her out the window if I wanted to. Mm -hmm. I could open that window. I could throw my daughter out the window. And there wasn't a big, it wasn't like, oh, I want to do that. Um, but it was, wow, that's a really jacked up thought. And I remember thinking 
that's embarrassing. You can't tell anyone that. And I didn't. I didn't tell my husband. I didn't tell my OB when she asked if I was depressed. I didn't tell my psychiatrist or my therapist at the time because I was like, that must mean I'm a I'm a bad mom. Who would think that? Who would think that about their kid? And when I finally, you know, was comfortable enough to say it out loud, I realized that that's not a super uncommon thought. And if you were my therapist and I walked in and I said, I am, I had the thought while I was holding my daughter that I could throw her, Mm -hmm. that I could throw her and she couldn't do anything. She couldn't fight me back. She couldn't, whatever. What would you, what would your thoughts be as a professional? Um, And I'm asking this because my fear is somebody saying, you're not fit to be a mom. Yeah. We're going to call defects because you're dangerous. Mm -hmm. So... When we have those thoughts, actually, and this would be my first thought, and I've had clients tell me these things before, is like, you're, these thoughts are actually like adaptive. It, it means that you're actually thinking through like the risk involved. You're feeling uncomfortable with that thought. You don't like it. So that means you don't actually want to do it. You're not getting like pleasure out of it. You're actually upset about the thought. And it's to me showing that your brain is like assessing risk. You're on edge. Um, you're thinking about like, wow, this baby is very fragile. Something could happen to her. And I I think that's more of a symptom of anxiety and fear than being a bad mom. But I know what it's like to have – I had thoughts like that not about my child but about myself. Like I should just leave, you know, or I should like mm-hmm. drive away in my car, that kind of stuff that like – the baby would be better. Yeah. And so that is like, it makes me get choked up even just thinking about it because those thoughts were so, they're so irrational, but they feel so real in the t- in that moment. They feel so real. And that's what's confusing, I think, because you're like, they don't seem now looking back, and this was three years ago for me, like, I'm like, no way. Like I would never hold yeah. my daughter now and think, oh, I could just throw her out a window. Like that's not – I recognize now how totally not me that was. And one of my – I didn't even know – I didn't know what an intrusive thought was. And I learned that in the course of therapy. But the f- one thing that my husband was like, okay, I think you need to call somebody for help is I was scared to take my daughter out for a walk with her stroller in our neighborhood because I was convinced it was a legitimate fear to me that someone would shoot me and take her. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And it was so real that I didn't want to leave my house. Yeah. So scary to have that thought. And can you talk about intrusive thoughts? Like what might be some intrusive thoughts that people wouldn't think who have never struggled with depression or never, you know, dealt with anxiety before? What are some thoughts that someone might have mm-hmm. that they could say, oh, wait, I, this might be anxiety and or depression. Um, this might be more than baby blues. Yeah, I think you're identifying like a good subset of those thoughts of like harm happening to you, to the baby. Um, even like, you know, oh, I'm going to, I imagine myself tripping down the stairs and the baby's going to fall and they're going to get hurt. Mm-hmm. That's a really common one. I'm going to drop the baby. Um, something's going to happen to me. Some people get fears of like, Um, the cops being called on them because they're not a good mom or they're going to take their baby Mm -hmm. away. Like any of these things that they, they are evoking like a response in you that you need to be protective of this child, which is actually 
developmentally appropriate. Yeah. But some of them are just so extreme that I think when it, when it gets really out of the realm of possibility, it feels, you say these thoughts out loud to someone and they're like, wow, I don't think about that. Or like, I didn't think that was going to happen. Like I think having someone you can check in with, whether it's a partner, a parent, a friend can be helpful to be like, I don't know if that's totally something that could happen. I get why it feels real for you, but let's like talk about it because I think that might be something that's up here. So how can we as women, and I just want to assume here, because I think there is like, we could talk all day about a systematic problem and that, you know, like OBs aren't asking us the right question. I I don't want to go there because I don't think that's helpful today. Like that's not helpful in the moment. And I feel like when you're feeling that way, it feels like you're having a mental health crisis almost. Like you feel not yourself. You feel, you know, all of these emotions. You're thinking things that you feel guilty about. Um, how do we – is there a way to set ourselves up – I hate this term because it sounds really corporate – but set ourselves up for success when we find out we're pregnant or when we're going through our years of of trying to have a child um, – how can we set ourselves up to have someone else recognize it and kind of help pull us out when we don't see it ourselves? Yeah. So I'll use myself as an example here of like something that I'm doing differently for my having my second child. And the first thing started with like having real conversations with my husband about like, what does it look like right now when I am stable and able to communicate what does it look like when I go to that place? What are some things that I might say, I might do? And if you have no history of this, it can be harder. But if you think about moments in your life where you've been really stressed, you've had a lot of difficulty, how do you normally act or cope with that? And try to see if you can like pin down some signs. It's also helpful, I think, to just get acquainted with like, there's a ton of lists online of like, these are the symptoms of these things so you can know what to look out for. Um, Coming up with like a code word or some kind of sign can also be helpful because I know when I was in that place and someone's like, you seem depressed, you seem anxious. Like it wasn't helpful for me. I just needed them to like help me cope with it. And so instead of calling it out, having like a code word for it or tools that you use, like go take a break, you know, whatever it is to kind of tap out in that moment. And then the other thing you mentioned was like having professional help lined up. You know, if you have a therapist, if you have a psychiatrist, just kind of having that ready, whether it's for your pregnancy or after birth, um, and also getting as much help as you possibly can. That's something I'm doing this time that's very different is like, I didn't want any help last time. And now I'm like, I will take all the help I can possibly get. And if I don't (laughs) need it, great. But I'm going to make sure that it's there just in case that I do. So you don't have to be figuring that out when you're in a bad place. How, if you have, do not have a mental health professional in your life, what's the best way to go about that? Um, and are there people that specialize in this so they can help walk? Like, are there therapists that specialize in pregnancy and postpartum that can you can go to and say, hey, I don't know if this is going to be an issue for me, but can you help me identify if it is? Like, how do you find that person? Yeah, there's definitely therapists that specialize in this. Um, there's like perinatal specialists, there's postnatal, so people that can help you through 
pregnancy, postpartum period, I you can always start by just Googling that in your area. Mm-hmm. So like postpartum therapist, your city. If you want to use your insurance, um, you definitely can just go to the insurance company and they'll usually give you a list. And then typically those people have websites where you can check their specialties. Psychology Today is a good option. And then there was a website that I used to use called, I think it's Open Path, where you can okay. find therapists at a, that take a discounted rate. I think it's like under $50 in your okay. area. And they have like specialty boxes you can check off. I asked on my Instagram what some thoughts that people had were when they were in the thick of postpartum anxiety and depression that um, scared them that they never told anyone about. And I want to read some of those to see if you think these are good indicators or if someone has these thoughts that this might be the time that you want to reach out for help. And also to say, if I say these things to you and I come to you as a therapist and I say, here are the thoughts that I'm having, um, they seem really uncomfortable to me for you to, I guess, validate and and support the fact that the first thing you're going to do is not call defects Mm -hmm. and say, oh my gosh, (laughs) this person is crazy. Um, here's some of the thoughts that people sent me on Instagram. Um, I had visions of my baby slipping into the garbage disposal by accident. I had thoughts of my babies accidentally drinking Drano. Uh, I would think about what would happen if everyone would, and if everyone would be better off if I ran away and got a new identity. Um, I was convinced that I was going to be hit by a bus at a crosswalk and my baby would grow up without a mom. Um, dropping the baby down the stairs. As you said, that was a very common one that people sent me. Um, I was scared to go out because I was afraid someone was going to kidnap my baby. Um, I couldn't drive over a bridge near our house because I was scared about how I would save my baby from the car if I drove off a bridge. Um, I was obsessed with my, with thoughts of having my babies, my babies having head trauma. Um, And I had thoughts of my son drowning in the tub on my watch. Um, I was scared in a hill. I had this one too. On a hill with pushing a stroller that I would Mm -hmm. accidentally let go and my baby would roll down a hill. Um, I made my husband hide my knives out of fear in my house. I was scared that there were knives in my house around my children. Um, I had thoughts of frying my son in a frying pan. I thought about throwing my baby out of my arms. I was, um, I would drive down the road thinking I could end both of our lives right now. Um, and I was afraid I would drop a knife on my baby while putting my dishes away and I was scared to do the dishes. How to, as a therapist, how do you feel about those statements? What does that say to you? It, it makes me like so – it's so painful, right? And it's so sad to hear these thoughts and I, I know what it feels like personally. And so I, I applaud all these people for like submitting these because it's hard to say this stuff out loud even anonymously. To me, anybody that's feeling this way is a good parent. That's like the first thing I want to say is that these are not signs that you're a bad mom. They're actually signs that you're a good mom or a good dad because – you want to protect your baby. All of these are about wanting to protect your child from harm, right? And so what I want to know is like when you have this thought, are you planning it out? Are you planning to do this? And and I would bet with all these people, they're like, oh my God, absolutely not. I want to stop this from happening. I'm scared of it happening. And so these are 
intrusive thoughts. We all have them from time to time. They're not rooted in reality. And I think if you can reframe of like, I'm having this thought because I'm a good mom that wants to protect my child, it makes it feel so much more manageable. I'm not having this thought because I want to do harm. Yeah. Oh, I'm going to cry. That really hit. That really hit. Because I think that is the fear that comes with those thoughts is what kind of a, you know, I know for me, what kind of a mom thinks about throwing her kid out the window? What kind of a mom does that? And I think that's the judgment we place on ourselves. Mm -hmm. But are you actually thinking about you want to throw the baby out the window? Or is it more of a thought of like, this baby is so small. And if they went out the window, they would get so hurt. Like you're, you're thinking about how fragile that baby yes. is in your arms and like how right. scary that would be. And like, this is one of those moments in life, like when you have your first child where you're tasked with like protecting this little baby. Yes. I, I don't know any other time you've really felt like that other than, you know, when you have a pet maybe, but it, it feels a little bit different with a newborn, you know, they're helpless and you're, you're they experiencing are. your power over this little being. And like, it's a weird, it's a weird feeling. I'm like, I don't know if I want this power. Yeah. I don't know. Like, yeah. I, this is a weird, like, cause it is, it's truly the first time in your life where like this little thing, their, their whole, you know, like, and pets are a little bit different, but you know, like this is, this person lives and dies based on me. And for a lot of us, 100%. we don't have that kind of power over anyone. Yep. And that power is scary. And so when you think about that, like, yeah. That's what I'm thinking about. Now, if someone tells me like, oh, now I'm actually planning how to do that. I'm thinking about it. I, I find mm -hmm. myself fantasizing about it. Like we're walking further here, but I think a lot of these thoughts, when you really think about it, it's like they scare you. They don't, mm -hmm. you don't want to do them. I know that's how it felt right. for me was I was like, oh God, no. Like I'm thinking about it, but it's not my real intention. My real intention right. is to protect this baby. Yeah, that's a really good point and I think super valuable. Um, so you're a woman, I'm a woman. We have friends that are having children that, you know, may be going through this. What is a way to keep an eye on other women who maybe if they haven't listened to this podcast or they haven't experienced it and they have no clue, like what's an appropriate and 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 just a helpful way to help other women through this when they can't identify it themselves. Mm -hmm. If you have a friend that you feel like is really in the trenches, how can you say that without being offensive or being like, you need a therapist, you're crazy, you know, because yeah. it is a sensitive time. It is. It is. I feel like regularly checking in on the mom and not the baby is really helpful. Like sh doing acts of kindness for the mom. Um, and also just normalizing it. Like sometimes I maybe take this too far with like my friends, but I, I know what that felt like. And so I feel like I'm very conscious of being like, are you okay? This time can be really hard, especially if you are a mom, like, are you getting any rest? You know, are you able to take care of yourself? Like checking in on some of those markers can be helpful. And also just showing up and not even asking like uh, how they're doing. I think like seeing if you can drop off food, being like, I picked up Starbucks for you and I'm leaving it at your door. Like those moments can be so pivotal sometimes 
for a new mom. And I think they can open up the door to more conversation. I don't know if that was your experience too. Like it made you feel like you could trust people to be honest with them when they showed that they cared first. One thing I did, and I don't know if it was helpful, I should have asked her before we recorded this, but I said to one of our um, podcasters who had a baby, I said, you know, I know that you're not asking for advice. She's a first time mom, but I just want to let you know some of the thoughts that I had after the baby that made me feel like a lunatic. And I want you to know that we all think them. Most of us think them like the you know, dropping the baby, the scared to go on a walk. And I just flat out told her and I didn't say, you know, you may have this. I didn't say, I just said, just to let you know, if this happens to you, it happened to me. Mm-hmm. And here's what it sounded like for me. Um, yeah. I think that's helpful because you're not, you're not saying like, this is going to happen to you or be worried about this happening to you. Cause the yeah. truth is, some I know some women I have friends who like they had a magical time you know they yes. they had a wonderful experience the baby latched right away they loved breastfeeding they lo- they loved it all and I'm happy mm-hmm. for them and that's great but it's like you're at least putting that out there that like if that isn't your experience you can come to me and if it's great and yeah. it's wonderful you can also talk to me about it yeah and I hope that this podcast helps people start those conversations and to realize one, if you felt that way after you had a baby, maybe you did were struggling with, with something bigger and that it is common. And if you find, if you're like, Oh, that thought sounds familiar to me right now. It's, it's like a normal, a lot of us, maybe not that it's necessarily normal. Cause I don't want to say, yeah, I totally feel that way. And don't tell anybody about it. Cause you'll be fine and get over it. But that there are so many people in your company that have had those thoughts as well. And you don't have to be embarrassed about it because your body's going through a lot. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. I mean, it's just like, you know, if we we laid it out and looked at it, okay, your body's going through – a heck of a lot. Your hormones are going crazy. You are learning how to be a parent sometimes for the first time. You're having a new family member. You're, you know what I mean? If we, if we said that to our friend and laid it out, say, you got a lot going on. Like it's, this is a big change and people like to glorify it with rainbows, but it's still a lot of change at one time while you're physically recovering and adjusting to your new life. It's, it's so true. And I put so much pressure on myself to like get it right. And if that's one thing I could say to like my former self or someone who's in it right now is like, you are not going to feel like that mom forever. I look back at myself then, and this was only, you know, my son's two and I'm like, oh my gosh, I am such a different mom than the way that I felt then the confidence that I have now in my ability and all that, that you will not stay stuck in that place. And like, it is one of those things that if you get the resources and the help and the time passes, you'll be like, oh my gosh, I have so much empathy for that version of me. Yeah. Yeah. It's definitely different. Like looking, reflecting back on it and looking back on it two for you and three for me years later, it sounds like a long time, but it goes by in a minute. Yeah. I mean, it really does. And so for anyone feeling like, wow, this is going to last forever. I'm always going to be this parent. I'm always, you don't have to be, and you don't have to suffer and you don't have to miss out on your family and your, your child. Um, you can ask for help. 
Absolutely. It's okay to ask for help and to advocate for yourself because someone asking you, are are you depressed? And what I wanted to say to her, I like checked the box that said no. But what I wanted to say to her is, yeah, and I was depressed before and I (laughs) knew it and I have a psychiatrist. So like, no, you can't help me. But like, what? What kind of a question is that? I don't know. It's so crazy. It's loaded. Um, it also, I want to say, I for me, I'm I'm pregnant with my second. I'm at the end of my second pregnancy, and I the intrusive thoughts started right around month eight, which is new in this pregnancy. Last time it wasn't until I got home um, after I had my baby. This one, um, I was, I knew they were intrusive thoughts, but I couldn't tell if they were just pregnancy hormones or, you know, actually the depression. And I've been on Zoloft, um, for my, both my pregnancies. It's really helped me. Um, by the way, little plug, uh, you can take medication during pregnancy. If you have a psychiatrist that, you know, and your OB work together and that you can figure that out, you don't have to be miserable. But I was in my shower thinking about, okay, my daughter is 32 weeks Okay, so if she dies right now, if she's born right now and she dies, I'll be planning a funeral over Christmas. Would I bury a baby? Would I cremate a baby? And I had all of these like – I was thinking about what my life would look like. Um, and and so I called my psychiatrist and she said, that's not the hormones talking. That's not the hormones. That's mm-hmm. something that is really – it's it's not reality and and we're going to up your meds. So that was a surprise for me as well, just thinking about, you know, and being scared that when people asked about my due date, it's because they wanted to take my baby, wow. to kidnap me, cut out my yeah. baby and take it. So I think those can happen even while you're pregnant and, and you know, that might be a good time to start asking for help. Absolutely. I'm glad you're able to like call your psychiatrist in that moment and had that relationship already intact. I feel lucky. I really, really do. And, um, but I feel like that's why we need to talk about this more Yeah. because not everyone, like you didn't have that experience where you had felt overwhelming anxiety, depression, like it was new to you and you studied it. You have a degree in it. I know. And that's what made it so much worse, I think, because I was just like, this isn't supposed to happen to me. Like that was also my irrational <laughs> thinking was like, because I'm I a, treat people for yeah, this. I'm a therapist. Like I can't have postpartum depression. You know, that, that I worked through that for a couple of weeks. And so if I could have avoided that whole part, I think I would have gotten better a lot quicker. But that was yeah. part of like the irrational thoughts too. Well, hopefully sharing, thank you for opening up um, about your personal experience. I know that's not something that we always get to see from therapists um, because you don't dive into your personal life, but I really appreciate you sharing because it's, I think, helping a lot of people. It helps me feel less alone, and I I will be thinking about that a lot, what you said about this isn't an indication that we're bad parents. It's an indication that you care Mm -hmm. and that you're you're a good mom, and, and hopefully that helps someone else. Thank you so much for having me. I hope this helps anyone out there. I want to thank Whitney for joining us for this really important conversation. And um, I love her candid responses to the questions that I asked. And I love her professional responses and her perspective. And I hope that you enjoyed it too. If you want to get more content from Whitney and um, what she posts about family dynamics, it's amazing content. You can go to sitwithwit.com or you can also look her up on Instagram there or check out her Calling Home podcast wherever you listen to your podcasts.